it's on my screen. Yeah. My yeah, that song, Chris. Hey, everybody. My name's Sean Shaler. The guy singing the Lion King song my is uh, Chris Board, aka The Objective Geek. YouTube and Twitter and book review fame. I don't know how many verses this song has. I really want to animate all the action figures in the background behind you to do a choreographed dance of some type. You know what random thought I was thinking about? Like, if Toy Story was, like, real, then, like, my action figures would hate me. They're like, we gotta get back into position. He's very detail-oriented, and there's a lot of us on the shelf. He'll notice us. And all the Batmans will be like, yes, let's do this. Here's the plan. And then, yeah. Uh, but some of the Batmans would disagree with some of the other Batmans because they all have a certain amount of Bruce Wayne hubris to assume that they're the best Batman to make the choice. Yes. Oh, man, there would be like a... Shoot, this is a movie in itself. A lot of Batman. Like, like instead Batman. of the Spider-Verse, it should have been into the Bat-Verse and it's just a lot of different Bruce Wayne iterations arguing with each other. What would Toy Story for WB be called? Toy I'm Story. surprised I actually haven't done this movie. That actually, uh, it's probably called uh, Small Soldiers or whatever that movie was. <laughs> that was a WB movie, right? Toy Soldiers? Small Soldiers. I don't know. You know what I'm talking about, though? No, I know exactly what you're talking okay. about. Okay, yeah. yeah, that's probably a WB movie if I had to guess. Um, welcome to Avatar The Last Podcasters. <laughs> it's uh, it's currently almost midnight. This is part two of our Dawn oh, of Yang Chin full spoilery review so if you don't want spoilers uh turn it off now and if you don't want spoilers don't watch last week's either uh but this is part two so what we're gonna do is give our ratings of the story and then we're gonna give our top three favorite moments and then after that we're gonna summarize our thoughts by talking about every other moment that we forgot to talk about last week that we really like and some that we did talk about last week that we really like it's gonna be fun chris (laughs) Do you want to dive into some ratings? Ratings. Okay. So we usually break down episodes by audiovisual, by story, and by memorability. So this will be like somewhat close, similar to it. We'll break it down by story. We'll break it down by action. action but really, it's more like audio. To me, that's like mental audiovisual. Like right. The I? mental picture that it helps you create. Yes, um, and uh, and then um, we said lore memorability. Drop, I said I said lore, yeah, like lore drop, which is to me kind of like memorability. Like what it, what am I like? Oh, this is really cool. Doesn't really have to do with, yeah, just kind of lore drop. Um, and I think especially in this particular novel, that calling it lore drop is is a good way to describe some of my positive feelings about this novel. So. I think that was a good change. In fact, Chris, do you want to go back and forth instead of the all three for you and all three for me? Yeah. I've got Lord Drop listed first, and I'm excited to talk about that one. Uh, Because I put my Lord Drop at a 9.5. I loved the... That was this novel's greatest strength, spoiler alert, is the way that it uh, alluded to and set up things that we, as longstanding Avatar fans already know about in the universe um and that those are the parts that to me were kind of the most memorable if you want to call it that or the most interesting parts of the novel is how prequels are hard 
right? Because we already have some outlines. So for FCE to take some of those things and integrate them cleverly and amusingly is a big strength. So 9.5 on Lordrop from Sean. Was there anything uh, specific? Uh, I mean, all the things, right? Like Guru Lahima, the Firebenders, the White Lotus. Uh, he did so many of those things within this story. Um, even little things that like, maybe not lore drop, but I love the way that he sets up Yang Chin as such a different character than Aang, even. So that may not quite qualify for here, but it feels like that to me. No, I think, I think it does qualify, which is, so character is part of story, but for some reason, I think of like learning more about Yang Chin and her characteristics as, as a kind of a lore drop. Because she, she was not like Aang. Like one thing, she's she is uh, far more manipulative, far more playing the Game of Thrones, far more. Also, she was very funny. Like she was a really funny character. Not how um, funny like Aang is, but like clever funny. Yeah, and I think just she came across more. I think natural. Uh, maybe that's just because it's a whole different medium. Um, but I will agree yeah, that so just character more... fits. I'll agree that character fits in story, but I think here specifically when it's hitting Lord Drop for me is just the staunch differences between two, you know, two air nomads as our as our yes, avatars yeah. is what, and that's one and, of the more memorable parts of the whole book. Yeah. And just how differently they are when it comes to spirituality. Like, it took Aang a really long... I mean, it took him like a year to... to uh, com- Not a year. It took him to travel on the summer solstice to the Fire Nation to talk to Roku. And, like, and Kyoshi... Not Kyoshi. Yangchen is possibly more... Just more natural spiritual power, probably than any avatar, because she's just naturally interacting with these past lives. To involuntarily. her, yes, involuntarily. Yeah, um, and so I, I just always find it so interesting just how different avatars handle spirituality. Like, I feel like Kirk. I don't think we even get a sense that Kirk in his time as the avatar talk to his past lives that much. Maybe maybe there is one passage where he asks them like how to deal with uh dark spirits and none of them had any answers. He's just I'm annoying about... him. It's like, oh it's that guy again with his spirits yeah. car- garbage. Yeah. Um and like and then, you know it took a long time for Cora to talk to her past lives. Like she had to reach her lowest point to talk to Aang. And then after that, she didn't, she didn't, we didn't see her like talking to him that much. Aang, it's interesting, we just, Aang's kind of naturally, they didn't really explain it in the show, but he was just like, at one point, like, oh, I just talked to my past lives. Like, this, like, it was a difficult, it didn't explain how he made that growth. He was still working on some cryo fog, you know? Yeah. He went from like, I need to be, it needs to be the summer solstice, and I need to have. It needs to hit like a Roku statue. To like, give Roku a call, and he talked to his past lives, 
And I'll, oh, let me give Kyoshi a call. Let me talk to Korg. Let me talk to Yang Chen. Um, yeah, they never really explained that growth and how he was then able to do that. Oh, they were still putting out feelers. Yeah, it's fine. Whatever, not a big deal. Uh, but I just love the difference between uh, the avatars. Oh, anyway, my score for Lord Drop, I think it'll be a nine out of ten. Okay. Uh, also, the, the silver combustion bending. While I, while in the sense of it being the big MacGuffin, and that being somewhat the point of like, oh, this is this a? I was just guessing. I had no idea what the guess would be for what the weapon of mass destruction would be. I think they handled it really well, and I love like how we're how he introduces for the first time all these different uh, lures of, of Avatar. Um, also, we got more White Lotus. I like seeing the White Lotus and more of a like a Yetchi kind of point of view. Like I don't know about those people. Like they claim to be all about enlightenment stuff, but who the heck are they helping out? Like stuff like that. And they're so they're all judgmental also. <laughs> um, so I like that aspect of it. And yeah, there was just more stuff I think related to to lore that's oh that you get so much out of in these novels. Just even small stuff. Um that uh that combustion bender uh reveal might uh, might be a negative for my story score, but it's a positive in the lore drop memorable yeah. category. I'm gonna go blind here for a minute. For sure. Um, but yeah, well, let's yeah, lore really cool. Let's hit up action next. Um, I went with I'm gonna say this was not a high point for me if we're talking about action in terms of story visualization in my brain as I'm reading, and also just big events occurring in the story and being able to visualize those. Not so good. I'm gonna say six point five. You know, I agree with that. Totally. I was I was stuck between a six and a seven because the thing is I know what good action feels like in these novels. Like the Kyoshi novels had it. I was following it. Like there was a couple of times Especially where the first one, man. Yeah, like that scene of her against Zoo and then uh and even like it had way more action scenes just Throughout it, like there, there were more scenes Yoshi that you versus... wanted to be drawn into visually, and that were successfully translated. This one, it felt so few and far between, and then I still, I still struggled to piece yeah, them like, together sometimes. Like, there's probably six major action scenes in the first book. Like you had like Joshi and Team Avatar with Yoon and. Uh, Rangi and her mother Heron versus the Pirate Queen. Oh, and then you had uh, Kyoshi versus Jianju, Kyoshi versus Zu, Rangi versus in that like fighting ring thing. Um, their assault on the compound type of deal. Um, and I know I'm missing a couple other different moments. Them running from. Uh, like a sheer shoe or whatever it was. The the spirit monster jumping out of the cave and eating Yoon. Uh, you know, the, yeah. there was just lots of more things that sort of demanded your your imagination. Yes. And fed it. Yes. Uh, I would argue yes, the I'm... second the second Kyoshi novel did not do as good, but it was better in that regard than this one. Yeah, if I had to rate those, yeah, the first one, uh, probably, uh, you know, 10 out of 10. Amazing. 
the second one, ah, that's that's still that last fight between Rangi Kyoshi against uh, Yoon, who's like a dark kind of spirit. That was still cool. Like that was a really good like I the scene to me of when they're like kind of beaten down, they're bleeding, and they both notice they're bleeding, and then they wipe Kyoshi like wipes her blood on her eyes to make the makeup and then like Rangi puts hers wherever it goes it's different than Kyoshi's like I can imagine that scene and, and that fight happening um it's somewhere in the that department one was, of like a you know like a 10 8.5 6.5 or something like that for me I think so I think so yeah 10 8.5 6.5 yeah or said somewhere this one is I mean there is the scene when they're fighting the combustion benders. But it seemed like to be like more, I don't know, all, more talk. Like, it was a great scene where um, Yangshin is yelling at them, like, I am the Avatar. Like, you know, and she's kind of proclaiming that she has, like, dominion here. But yeah, this book was just, uh, just lacking on, on the action. I agree. I agree. Um, yeah. Chris, last category story. Um, I'll keep going first because I've just started doing that and I'll stay consistent. Uh, st- story I'm waffling between a 7.5 and an 8. I mm-hmm. think I'm going to land on a 7.5. Um, and I think that's mostly just to do with, uh, we talked about it in our last episode, some longer drawn out scenes that maybe didn't amount to a whole lot in the moment. Uh, some some dead time, some downtime, some minor plot conveniences, and then again, it's not a story that's just quite as conducive to the type of action that I was hoping for. Not that everything has to be like an '80s action movie kind of action, but just you know, uh, a, a little more meat on the bone would have been good. So I think I'm going to land on a 7.5. Yeah, I am going to go with very close with you here. I'm going to go with a seven. Wait, is that even fair? Yeah, it's seven. seven. Yeah, seven. Um, in fact, I'm going to solidify my action at six. Because to me, the action and the story shouldn't be that close. Okay. I thought the action was a... So, yeah, so action was a six. Uh, story, a seven or seven... Uh, seven and a half. That sounds good. Okay. That feels good. We each have to do our um, own math for this one because it's going to be messy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So... I really, well, I love this book. I don't want to say my, this is me objectively being like, hey, here's this and that. But as an Avatar fan, I love reading this book. Yeah, um, well, and we're also not like the most credible literary critics. Uh, yeah. Um, the story I thought was, was good. I love seeing Yang Chen having to traverse these things. You know, the Game of Thrones issue. I, f- I forget just how much I miss the Game of Thrones, which is like what's so good about the show Game of Thrones is that it has the term Game of Thrones has it's in my vocabulary of and it defines like people positioning themselves to gain power through diplomatic means, if, if through manipulation and diplomacy, uh, like a balance between the two. And this book had uh, a lot of that. Um, and uh, it's not so I enjoy the aspect of the story. 
it's not that it's counting against the story specifically, but as I was trying to think about scores, a lot of the things that I liked best were more related to their lore connection to future Avatar. And so yeah, again, yeah, that, that's yeah. a story negative, but I didn't want to give too much credit to the story just for like dropping things that, you know, were already uh-huh. in existence. Yeah. Uh, but I love seeing Yang Chen in these positions. Um, I love seeing how she had to like work the system and how she works with Kavik. Uh, on the on the bad side, because I feel like this was too focused on Kavik. Like there was too much. The story was like fifty percent Yang Chen, fifty percent Kavik, and I'm like Kavik's okay. He's but Yang Chen is what I'm here for and Kavik wasn't a good, every time it was like, oh this is a this is a Kavik chapter or this is a three three Kavik chapters in a row. I just wanna get back to Gang Chen. I mean he's a he's a cool enough character but not good enough that he takes up fifty percent of the story. Yeah, he's a fine enough uh you know team avatar side side gig yeah, kind of guy. Like imagine imagine if the legend of Korra was like fifty percent Korra and fifty percent Mako. Like I love Mako, but I don't want fifty percent of Mako in the story. You'd be a lot better off with like fifty percent Bolin. Yeah, like it's funny because like debatable. As some after after last Airbender, if you're like fifty percent Zuko, fifty percent Aang, I'm like, well, that's kind of what the show is. <laughs> like almost like it. So what if you yeah. replace Zuko with just more Katara time? Uh, Katara is better yeah. than Kavik, but like, do you want fifty percent of your show about Katara? She's a great character, but fifty yeah. percent. I think now, now I feel like I'm I'm, I'm dogging on Kavik because Katara is more of an interesting character. Yeah, than I feel like the yeah, absolutely. The, like, like I can read a chapter of just Katara's thoughts and be really entertained, but like, I don't think I would necessarily with like a Mako chapter or. A, I think a Bolin chapter actually would be interesting just to get more. I'd want, oh, I'd read stuff. a Bolin chapter all day, but I wouldn't. I wouldn't <laughs> yeah. enjoy like a Mako. Imagine chapter. a imagine a imagine a very chapter. That it's it's all just <laughs> handwritten notes from Julie, like yeah, yeah. all of his notes to self, and that's the whole chapter. That'd be a good like last season meta episode when they're running out of ideas. Yeah. Um. So anyway, story. Seven and a half out of ten. Um, Chris, if I'm not mistaken, my score is something like a seven point six six. Ooh, really? Okay. I had a nine point uh, five, a seven point five, and a six point five. Evenly I'm evenly sorry. scaled. That doesn't sound right though. I feel like I'm doing some bad math. Nine point five, seven point five. You know what? I'll pull up the calculator. I don't trust myself. Nine plus seven point five plus six. Equals twenty two and a half. Yeah, mine's gonna be like seven point something divided by three. Dang it! What the oh stupid thing. Twenty two and a half. Oh yeah. So okay. So seven point eight for me. Uh, that feels right. I'm okay with that number. I'm at a. I'm at a exactly a seven point five. Okay. Um. So then that gets us to seven points. It's four. Whatever. I don't know. Somewhere, I mean, I think we're in the in a good ballpark though in terms of saying it's a seven point yeah. five to an eight book, like it's a C right, to B minus caliber book, and yeah, I think seven point six five. 
I think that is a, a fine place to put it personally. Um, Chris, that being said, we also wanted to supplement this episode talking about our favorite moments. Um, so we should start with top three and we'll just like snake draft our way from three, three, two, one. And then we're going to fill in the gaps with all the other moments that we just couldn't fit in our top moments. Yes. Do you want to kick off with your number three and that way? Yeah, you go first. All right. My number three is I think her, her, um, her conversation with the lady from the white Lotus I thought was uh, really interesting and really provided. Um, I think it really provided context around the Wylosis role and more lore. I think on her background, um, there's really interesting conversations in there. Um, she mentions, and I'm gonna go back to the picture that I was taking. Oh, dang it, wrong thing. Um, it's funny because the lady is like, "You could do, you could be doing so much more." Uh, you could be talking to your past life. <laughs> and Kyosh, <laughs> not Kyosh, Yang Chin is like, I already tried your suggestion. Uh, I sought out the avatars of eras gone by. At some point, I figured, why not go on the attack, you know? The emotional storms brought on by memories of her past life so vivid she couldn't tell who or where she was. Um, I spoke to dozens of previous avatars upon dozens upon dozens in she says, saw through their eyes, watched through their lives unfurl. Time doesn't pass the same way inside a vision as it does in the physical world. At first, I was overwhelmed by the noise of it all. As someone who appreciates intelligence, I'm sure you understand the sheer quantity of information you have to sift through to find something relevant. Then I started noticing patterns over the eras. I witnessed repetition. I sat in front of my predecessors humbly Asked so many questions, listened to so many answers. Do you know what I learned? Their lives are full of regret. Lost chances to make the world a better place. To me, that's what sticks out sharpest in their memories. Their regrets over the times they did nothing. <laughs> that's hashtag deep the right there. Yeah. Like, <laughs> the thing is, this lady was like trying to put Yang Chen in her place. of just like, why aren't you doing this? Why aren't you doing that? Yang Chen is like, I tried that, idiot. Like, nothing's... Like, and then it goes back to a conversation Yang Chen later has with Kiyoshi, where, you know, she tells Kiyoshi, like, you could talk to your all your past lives for, you know, years, and you will not know how to better serve the world than before. Which also goes to show, like, Avatar, Avatar wisdom is overrated. <laughs> Those former avatars haven't tried to rule in today's world. Uh, Chris yeah, has like a stellar a, moment. Oh, sorry, I yeah. interrupted you. No, I mean it helped that I pulled. I pulled up. Uh, no, it's a great moment, and I'm not. It's not in my top three, but now I'm a little sad that it's not because after hearing you say it, it's like, oh, you know what? That's pretty sick. Uh, but it's not my top three. I'll stick to my normal guns. My number three is just the re- the reveal of when Kavik realizes that the firebenders themselves, the people guarding the crate, you knew they were going to be special because they alluded to it earlier. It's like, hey, there's these three guys guarding the crate, or these three people, pardon me, 
guarding the crate, and all they do the entire time is eat, and they never leave the side of the crate, and so you're like, all right, well, they're going to be operating this machine or whatever the heck is in that crate. They're, they're like, important. They're not just guards. Uh, but then the crate drops, and it breaks, and all the stuff falls out of it, and the, the three people secretly walk away with Hinchy, the three, ultimately, they're combustion benders. Uh, that was a really fun reveal. And of some of the reveals in this book that weren't so great, that's one that I kind of enjoyed, even if I didn't, again, maybe I didn't appreciate story-wise that they were firebenders. I liked the way that it was revealed in this book about sort of secrets and information that it was just people were the weapon. I don't know. There was something kind of poetic about that I enjoyed. Mm -hmm. Uh, Chris, number two moment. I'll go first here, then you can go first on the last one. My number two moment is in the Northern Air Temple. After a very long day of traveling and uh, healing that woman that's in the ward and then figuring out that, uh, you know, her child's still out there somewhere and that he's probably dead. Um, And Yang Chen, uh, you know, Yang Chen and Kavik have a certain amount of bonding there. And then at the end of the day, Kavik looks over. I couldn't really picture this part in my head, but he looks over to this airball court and he kind of sees Yang Chen, who just had gotten done, you know, I don't know if it's a few minutes or a few hours before trying to explain to him just uh, focusing on this one woman healing this one person, trying to do good for this one person, and that they can't let the loss of the child distract them from the good that they did do, right? And she puts on this big avatar show, and then he looks out and sees this very human, very young person behaving in a way that a young person might sort of self-chastising, self-punishing slightly, um, uh, out on the airball court, trying to get that that sort of evil, that bad taste out of her mouth and out of her system. And I thought that was a really cool way to humanize Yang Chin, who otherwise to this point had felt, I won't say like more mature than her years, but not very teenage-like to in, at any point in this story until then. Yeah, yeah. Uh, my number two moment is uh, Yang Chin surprising Kavik at home. Like, isn't that like a huge moment? But I found it to be just so indicative of the character Yang Chin is. It added so much character to her. She was like playful, like mischievously, but she's also kind of manipulative <laughs> and, and stuff. Uh, just the way that she was like lying to his parents, but still making him look good. But then that put him kind of in debt to her. Uh, then it ends with the like "you're in my pocket" type of deal. It's a it's a weird top moment, but I loved it. That I, was I unexpected to me. I did not. What it's not once it knocked, you know, you had a feeling, but I did not expect to see the knock at the door. Or to read the knock at the door, I guess. Um, yeah. And so that part of it, to me, was unexpected in a really good, entertaining way. Yep. Uh, Chris, you want to start with our number one moment that I have a feeling we share? Sure. I'm going to share this with moment. Uh, it's hard for me to think about. Well, once you say yours, I'll probably agree with it. Uh, I think my number one moment is Yang Chen putting all the Shangs in their place. And uh, but to me, it was it was it was really her at her most powerful. Like, there's no like real bending moment. They're just like, oh, this is the most powerful moment of of Yang. It was just her 
having knowledge above them and using it and putting them because like she was so much in like a low like she was embarrassed almost and she's like screw this i'm on i'm going into the avatar state of of of, of diplomacy of of verbal attacks um ah, it's not at all what i thought you would pick for that is a great moment um and it shows kind of maybe what we valued out of this book uh you going back to that game of thrones something that's come up repeatedly uh but for me i have to go the way that she strategically took down the combustion benders i love that that was a close one that was a very i and and for all honesty i just came up with these top three moments just now but that was one of the ones that kept swirling in my head between these that and these three and you probably heard me talking about it when I was trying to think uh-huh. earlier. Um, well, and I had, I'm going to say that I had roughly these three moments identified as my top three um, in the last episode, but I hadn't quite decided what order to put them in until we were in between episodes this, there. Honestly, it was in my top three before I was reading over some pages. And that that third one was a page that I highlighted in my uh, notes. And so it could have easily asked me in, in a couple of days. I think it probably won't change because it's not like I'm going to reread the book in that time. But ask <laughs> me in. Sleep on it a little bit. You never know. But no, I think it's great, especially the moment where she's like, "I am the like I am the avatar type of deal." Um, yeah, she does have to do something out of the ordinary to take them out. And I love the. Uh, it reminded me of playing like Arkham, uh, like Arkham City. Uh, Ooh, especially yeah. on like the Wii U when I'm playing Arkham City and for the detective mode, it puts use to the gamepad um, to help you sort of directionally identify certain things. Made me feel like I was playing Arkham City specifically on the Wii U, which is a weird, uh, a weird recommendation I have. But yeah. yeah, that is the best way to play Arkham City. I'll say it. Really? Okay. Yeah. All right. Just I've, I've it, never, I never once thought about buying a Wii U. No, that's wrong. I thought about once buying a Wii U. It's not worthwhile. Like, don't do it now if you haven't. But if you have a Wii U, uh, Arkham Asylum just does a really nice job of making use of the gamepad in a way that a lot of games can't because it's just a gimmick. Yeah. No, Batman, Detective Wii Mode in particular, plays is, to it. I think Wii U is the worst Nintendo item. I mean, people are going to tell you, like, well, you're not counting Virtual Boy. And that's because nobody counts Virtual Boy. It doesn't count. But if you don't count Virtual Boy, then, yeah, Wii U is... It's a piece of garbage. Chris, my Wii U, I still have it, and I actually like it because it's modded for the Wii and the GameCube, and it gets it plays both in uh, over HDMI, and it's a pretty effective, attractive way to play uh, uh, maybe questionably legal downloaded copies of games it, for the Wii and GameCube over HDMI. So my Wii U exists because it plays Wii and GameCube games real good. That's it. That's his uh, whole life. Um, yeah, so I love the part where she strategically takes down the air, uh, the combustion benders and, and captures them, and that's my, in my mind, her greatest exercise of airbending prowess is, like, essentially suffocating them without murdering them. I think that's pretty cool. And, Chris, we mentioned, well, we talked a lot about honorable mentions. Which is basically going to be us talking about other moments that we want to talk about until we get tired. <laughs> yes. Okay. So I'm just looking through my uh, my notes. Um, okay. Well, that's us after. Wait. No, I must have 
took pictures of something before that. Alright, here's my first note. Let's see what is it. Uh, well, before, okay. So, the one that I, one of the ones I really like because it just fully uh, supports why I'm an air nomad at heart. Um, it says, uh, Yang Chen is talking to uh, Sadao. Yeah. She says, Do you know what makes an air nomad? Um, and then he shook his head and she said, It's the ability to sit down quietly wherever you are, be it dark room or empty field, and just sit. Sit with yourself without causing problems or hurting anyone else. That's it. That's all it is. Air bidding pales in comparison. That is just like me. To, like I can just sit somewhere with like not a care in the world and just be at, at peace just sitting there. I would be like the kid Abernathy Darwin Dunlap from uh, Accepted. When he walks up to their meditation 101 and he sits down for like a second, he's like, okay, thank you. That was so great. <laughs> yeah. All right. Oh, do you have another uh, honorable mention? Other honorable mention moments that you didn't already mention. Oh, I loved uh, that. I just now thought of this. It's coming off the top of my head, but I love the fact that Kavik, like, did an extra sneaky out of his way to drop the money at essentially like a soup kitchen. Uh, all of his Yang hmm. Chin money. And I think I liked also that like right then they kind of alluded to it previously, but right then it confirmed to me is like, this isn't just like an ordinary guy on the streets, like scrapping by just to survive. Um, and again, they kind of alluded to that a little bit already that he was kind of playing his own game. Um, but yeah, when he like dumps all that money off, you know, warmed my heart a little bit and told us a little more about what his home life might be like. That was really touching. Yeah. Uh, another moment is when, uh, his name is Jujinta. Jujinta. Yeah. Okay. That's, yeah. yeah. That's as Uh, good a guess as I would have (laughs) had. When he like has to use, uh, the knife, when, there's that moment where he's like a union this like this, uh, and it's kind of, it's it's kind of spiritual to him. Uh, so that was a, I just remember that being like a, a cool moment of him having to. Uh, oh, then he like gets the the bow out and he like weighs it and and he thinks about the bow as if respecting. It's like water tribe. This person uses this type of tree or something to make the bow. This string. Somewhat, me- this person is like this tall, giving off like he respects the bow. He's meditative about the mere presence of the bow. Mm-hmm. Um, I liked when uh, I believe, I believe it was her information from the White Lotus led Yang Chen to the fields where they found the essentially these large craters that were being created by some type of, I'm going to call artillery for lack of a better word, uh, to, to tip her off that, you know, there was some kind of machinery or weaponized human heads being tested there. Yeah. Yeah. 
Uh, other moment, I think I might. Oh, uh, the, she's having the the initiation to the White Lotus, if you will. Like she, you know, she says the whole deal. She plays. She says, you know, the whole. Uh, and what does she do first? <laughs> she she says the first part of the kind of the, the code, and then he doesn't respond. And she says, like. Those who do can always find a friend, she replied to herself, because the man was not like, he was purposely not trying to let her in. And then she like pretty much plays the whole Game of Pie show by herself. And then she does it like really quickly. <laughs> and then she says to herself again, welcome sister, the White Lotus opens wide to those who know her secrets. He stared at her, bewildered. She didn't have time for him to parse out that her her identifying rations were indeed correct and she's like look the deal is right there in the, in the last part of the passage you can't actually be certain that i'm not a member the hurdle is knowing the secrets and i know the secrets you are obligated to open wide <laughs> like for some reason yang jen just comes off like oh, she just comes off really cool she's like a lawyer this toothbrush is yeah. bone dry no um the Oh, Chris, I just thought of this, too. And neither one of us has mentioned this yet. Didn't that woman in the Northern Air Temple, her child lived and they found him later, right? Like yes. Oh, yeah, book? yeah. We forgot to mention that. Yeah, like and that was almost kind of just like a, like a, hey, don't lose hope. Like, everything you do is, like, imagine that you didn't save that woman because you didn't try hard. And then the child was like, what happened to my mom? The... It's like we got sort of a happy ending, like, okay, they won the battle against the combustion benders, but she's kind of still sort of losing the war. But that is that little seed of hope that makes you feel good about the the proverbial war at large. You need that at the end. Yeah. Also, we didn't mention that, uh, that Havok seemed to be joining the White Lotus. By the end of the book? Oh. I kind of forgot about that. Yeah. Um, um, what else is out there, moment-wise? It could be the time of night, but that's all that's coming to me off the top of my head. You got some things flagged, though, I believe. Start. Feel free to... Yeah, let me... To... I liked when... Um... Tapu, I think his name, one of the combustion bender. Uh, someone asked him, like, how did you come by this power? He's like, bitter work. Which one thing that is a... great a... drop, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's beautiful. Yeah, episode, episode, bitter work, where Aang is trying to learn how to earthbend, and Zuko is trying to learn how to lightbend. Yes. Uh, and a meat promise. Uh, but he said it was by torches training. I didn't find this ability like a coin in the street. Neither did the others. We three are the product of significant investments. And then he's straight up like, yeah, the other one's drowned. Yeah, yeah. It was like really creepy and then it never came back up again. Uh, yeah. See, I guess she was trying to pull up and she was passing Sorry, I was reading through a couple different notes. Um, 
see. There was... Oh, there was a part where she... She tricks the Earth King. Like, the Earth King, she's like... Uh, here's a, here's she's pretty much proposing him what they should do to fix his problems. And he's like, what would an air nomad know of administration? She's like, very little. Which one thing is Yang Chen positioning almost minute because she's she's lying to him and Yang Chen knows a lot about administration. She's read a bunch, but she then she goes and says, but Avatar Zeto on the other hand knows a great deal. And then the Earth King's eyes gleam. Um, and then, and he's like, "Oh, you could consult him on every decision you'd make." And then the book was like, "She could not." Okay, it says connecting with her past lives did not work like our fiction was imagining it. She could see previous avatars' memories, experience their emotions throughout the pivotal moments of their eras. But as far as she could tell, her past lives couldn't form new opinions or fresh predictions or make decisions for her in the present world, no matter how conversational the interaction between ancient memories and sorry and the current wait yeah ancient memories current information played out during a session of communing so it's interesting that different avatars you know even communicate with their past lives in different ways this seems more like a oh let me look up the encyclopedia of how someone handled this problem rather than ang being like hey how would you do you think i should kill the fire lord yeah there again, it's very lawyer-like. Like she's like, I have an established precedent from a one Avatar Zito. And it goes on to say, like Avatar Zito had never seen a Shang City. He had never dealt with the situation exactly like the Platinum Affair or an Earth King exactly like Feishan. He would never develop plans on her behalf or whisper in her ear the perfect choice at picture. And then she just re- responded, "Yes, my predecessor would be the one making the calls, not me." My involvement would be minimal. Gosh. Says her boldest, falsest claim yet. Like I'm there just were gonna no call world... him. He's dead, but I got his number. It's all right. Just gonna holler at him. Yeah. Uh, we already talked about it a little bit, but I like that the big, uh, the big combustion bender Thampu, uh, when he was a captive of the Air Nomads, and he's. Like kind of living his best life in there. Yeah, yeah. Uh, those are, uh, those are everything I feel like I have highlighted. Um, they, you know, and that's maybe one of this book's. Uh, it's probably not fair to call it a downfall, but it's not full of these sort of like highlight caliber moments. Um, at least not to the extent maybe of the first Kyoshi novel for sure, debatably the second one, but hopefully yeah, there was enough have... in there to like whet your appetite if you haven't already read it. Yeah, looking through like I have a bunch of different this is the Kyoshi novel. You can see a little bit of highlights all nice color the whole way through, consistent. Yeah. <laughs> uh <laughs> like I just one highlight I went across. Korok. This is Kyoshi talking. Korok, get out here now before I die, or I will cross over to the other side and come after you there. Like, I forget how much I actually did like the second one. I thought there was I thought the second one had way more lore drop. 
than I think the first. I mean, we learned so much about Quirk. I need to reread the second changed. because I've only read it one time, but I've read the first twice. So I feel like it's. I feel like I need to give the second another read, just to be fair. Yeah. Uh. Well, uh, Chris, any final thoughts you care to offer on the Dawn of Yang Chin now that we are nearing the end of our three episode review spectacular? I loved it despite my critiques of it. I still love the book. It is still a must read for all Avatar fans out there. The Kyoshi novels are better. But you know what? I want to leave on a leave on a positive. I am really excited to see where it goes. I'm really excited to see how Yang Chen is challenged coming up. I think she's going to be even more challenged. I think she's going to make very controversial decisions and choices and actions. I'm really looking forward to what's to come. Dis- It'll probably be a year from now. That's how the Yoshi novels were. They were only like a year apart. Despite my qualms with the novel, it is a good uh, piece of Avatar content, and I like what it's setting up for the second Yang Chen novel. Excited to see where it goes. That's my final thought. Yeah. Chris, I'm really tired. Let's get out of here. Me too. And I, and I got actual work to do, so I don't have to do it tomorrow. Ooh, I think I would do it tomorrow. <laughs> but, uh, well, hey. I, just, you know, I could wait till tomorrow. It's a, anytime I see something that's due by end of day, I'm like, that means it's due by 11.59 p.m. Yeah, well, you missed it, man. I'm sorry. Uh, due by 11.59 p.m. on the West Coast. No, tomorrow. Oh, tomorrow, tomorrow. Okay, I got you. Yeah. But tomorrow's Friday, so if it's due 11.59 p.m. tomorrow on Friday, it's not really due till Tuesday morning at 7.59 a.m. Yeah, I don't know. It's to, like, the higher up sort of deal. So Fine. I don't know. Whatever. Yeah. Uh, anyway, everybody else out there, thank you for hanging out with us, and we hope that you get a chance to read this novel on your own and tell us your thoughts. We'd love to hear them. In the meantime, my name's Sean Taylor. That guy down there is my friend Chris Ford, a.k.a. The Objective Geek of YouTube and Twitter and Avatar Book Review fame. We are Avatar The Last Podcasters. I'll put all the contact stuff, like always, down in the... What is it called? Down in the something. It's really late. Down in the description? Is that the word I'm looking for? That's that's what it is. That's it. It's very literal. <laughs> and thank you all. We will see you next time. Why was why is description a hard word? I don't know. Um, hey, you know how when you read books and you never say the words out loud, like all these names, is that... Yeah. Uh, like, do you ever have those words that you just mispronounce be- for the rest of your life because of books? <laughs> <laughs>